Swamiji, you've spoken about your guru, Yogananda. Uh, can you describe his mission and your life in relation to his mission? Well, you know, I've written a book about him. It's a biography. He, in his biography, autobiography of a yogi, really is not an autobiography. He wrote about everybody but himself. <laughs> and uh, at the same time, he couldn't write about himself. He couldn't talk about his miracles. He couldn't talk about his greatness. Our job as disciples is to write about him. And so in this book, I have explained what it was like to live with him. What he, I did show great miracles that he performed. And I showed, about, I showed his greatness as a human being. But all of those things I couldn't show in, uh, he couldn't show in his own book. I could talk at great length about that, but uh, I think I'd let, like to let people read my book. Yeah. <laughs> Swami, in terms of your own life, do you see um, yourself as having a mission? Well, my mission is to help complete his mission. I have no, no, no extra grind of my own. <laughs> I, when I was seeking, I, in the early years, I wanted to know truth. And I finally, I wanted to be a playwright. And I finally reached the point where I realized I don't know truth. So why should I flood the world with my ignorance? And I immediately left playwriting. Mm. I hadn't wanted to be a playwright to be famous or rich. People thought I would become a good playwright, a famous playwright. It didn't interest me. When I met Yogananda, then I felt, now here is a truth I want to help promote. And I feel that my life is has only one purpose, and that is to help complete what he brought. For example, he had wanted to start communities, but in his day and age, people weren't ready for communities. I have been able to start communities and to do it successfully. The first community I started was over 43 years ago. And then he wanted to start schools. But again, parents weren't ready to send their children to their schools. We have started schools, and I've written a book called Education for Life. So in every way, what my mission, if I, you can call it my mission, is simply to complete his mission. Are there aspects of his mission that you have not been able to accomplish? I want to make it more clear how he brought the I've done, I mean, I'm at the end of my mission just about now, by now. So I don't know that I can say that I haven't yet accomplished it, but I can do more in that direction. And for example, he talked of the basic underlying unity of the Christian teachings and the Bhagavad Gita. Mm -hmm. And he taught the Bhagavad Gita in a way that very few Hindus today know or understand. He showed the underlying reality or oneness of religion that the true religion of the universe is what is known in India not as Hinduism, but as Sanatana Dharma, mm. the eternal religion. And what is that religion? In its essence, it's that everything came from God and everything must merge back into God. And that is the reality no matter what planet you live on, mm. it can't be different. So I want to show in a way, in a practical way too, and I have shown how his teachings become very practical, can be used in the business world, 
can be used in um, in any field of life, can make marriage more harmonious, can make friendships more rewarding. I have written uh, nearly 140 books, mm -hmm. and many of them have to deal with uh, uh, practical aspects of life. Money magnetism, for example, how to attract money, mm -hmm. and many others. Swamiji, what do you feel is your most important book or books? Probably the most important book that I have written isn't mine at all. It is a, his Bhagavad Gita commentaries. When I'm no longer in that organization and they don't want me, they never could accept that he had given me a mission to do, even though he did give it to me verbally many times. <clears throat> but they couldn't accept that and they decided that I was a burden because they wanted to keep it small and uh, just make it a little monastery. I realized he was for the whole world. Mm -hmm. And so, um, what was your question In reference again? to the Bhagavad, Bhagavad Gita, Gita, essence of the Bhagavad Gita. The Gita, they, they commented, they edited his commentaries and it was terribly edited. Not, I mean, it's very heavy reading, heavy going. It's even got errors in it. And finally, I decided I had to do something. And so I, I remember I had a dream in which I was asking him, what can I do there? And there, this book is in the archives and I can't get into those archives. He said, don't overlook the possibility of a skylight. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what he meant. But when I sat down to work on that book, all of a sudden I found, I worked with him on the book in person when he was alive. But all of a sudden I could remember every single stanza. That's amazing. And it was amazing. So this book of nearly 600 pages, I wrote in two days less than two months. I began on October 7th, finished December 5th. Hard to believe, but it's so. Wow. Swami, if you could point to uh, a, a single greatest accomplishment in your life, what would that be? I'd say to somehow stick it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say. I don't think anything I've done is important except as a service to God. Swamiji, you've had so many challenges in your life. How were you able to overcome them and keep your peace of mind and joy? Well, if you've got to go through it, you've got to go through it. What are you going to do? I, uh, yes, I've had lots of challenges, but the alternative is to shoot myself, <laughs> and I didn't feel like doing that, and so I <clears throat> had to carry on. I don't know, it takes a certain amount of stick to itiveness, I think, and giving your life to God, to say that whatever you give me, God, I accept with joy. I remember I was quite recently in the... In, uh, in, what is it? ICU, mm -hmm. the emergency uh, unit of the hospital in Pune in India. And uh, <clears throat> I had a bleeding ulcer and I had renal failure and my heart was just about to give out. And I could have died then. And when the nurses or the doctors came in and said, how are you? I said, just wonderful. <laughs> and in fact, I felt great. What does it matter about the body? So all these tests, actually, I, 
I say what tests. Mm. There's just nothing compared to eternity. I remember, I think I've mentioned this to you too before. I had a dream not very long ago in which my enemies were burning me at the stake. And uh, I accepted it. It was all right. If they wanted to burn me, I just figured, well, I'll, uh, my pain will last very briefly, but then there will be joy when I'm out of the body. So I accepted it. And as happens or can happen in a dream, my enemies are sitting at a banquet table nearby, drinking and feasting and, and uh, uh, laughing heartily. And I just accepted it. And then suddenly some friends came in and saved me before the pain got too bad. And I accepted that they had saved me, but I didn't feel relieved. relief. I just felt, okay, now I'm not going to be burned. But it's, it's an attitude that I have deliberately cultivated in my life. That whatever the worst I can have, let me see if I can face it. And I found that I can face anything with that attitude. Instead of cringing and fearing, just say, okay. And uh, it was a story that I read about a man who had lost, uh, who, who was, he was wise. And a young man used to go to him for counsel and advice. And he asked him one day for an explanation as to how he had achieved this wisdom. And the man said, well, come with me, I'll show you. And he went to his bedroom and opened a drawer. There was a very fragile shell there. He said, that's my secret. The young man said, what are you talking about? Hmm. He said, well, when the stock market crash came in 1929, I lost everything. And I thought, I'm just going to commit suicide. And I sent my family away and I took a cabin by the ocean. And my idea was to go into the ocean and let the waves take me. But the waves kept rejecting me, and every time I'd try to go into them, they would throw me back on the, on the beach. And I'd try again, and be thrown back again. And uh, apart from bruises, I was getting no closer to my goal, when suddenly I saw, swirling in the water beside me, this fragile shell. And I thought, this shell is much more fragile than I am. How has it survived this fierce pounding? It can only have done so by going with the waves. And as I thought that, I realized, well, I have not gone, against, gone with the waves. I've gone against them, or I've tried to go against them. And so from then on, I've just accepted. I said, all right, I've lost all my money. What now? Okay. And I found that I, could, I didn't become a wealthy man anymore, but I don't want it. I found peace of mind. So indeed, if you think of what is the worst thing that could come to you, and mentally just say, well, let it come. What then? Death itself. Most people are afraid of death. There are many books now which prove that people, after death, don't feel pain or anything. They have a great feeling of relief. So that should be one thing. But don't be afraid of it. It's the fear of a thing that, in the book Alice of the Looking Glass by, by um, Lewis Carroll, Lewis Carroll um, the White Queen is suddenly, oh, 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 Alice says, well, what's the matter? She says, I'm going to prick myself with a pin because they're in the world through the looking glass, everything is backwards. <laughs> and then she's calm and peaceful. And Alice said, what, what, how come you're so peaceful? Oh, I've pricked myself. 
<laughs> and so anticipation is much worse than actualization. Mm. You fear something, but once you've had it, it's not so bad. So I found even going to the dentist, I don't take Novocaine. Even when the pain is enough for the dentist to be perspiring mm. with sympathetic pain, I'm sitting there working out some problem of philosophy or <laughs> composing music or something. And one time the pain was more severe. I just thought, well, my reality isn't just this body. It's all around me. And so I just sort of felt that my body, my reality was all this and the pain that was happening to this little body was just a small little part of it. And so I took it calmly. But you will find that no matter what the pain, no matter what the suffering, if you can really accept it, it's the rejection that's the main part of it. The anticipation, the rejection, the emotional reaction to it.